Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it. Next up, Blue's Clues. It's been 25 years since the Nickelodeon series starring Steve and his buddy Blue hit the small screen and to celebrate the big milestone, the original host of the first four seasons, Steve Burns, took to social media to share a sweet message to the kids who grew up with him. I mean, we started out with clues and now it's what? Student loans and um, jobs and families. And some of it has been kind of hard. You know, I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years, I never forgot you, ever. And I'm super glad we're still friends. Thanks for listening. Uh, He hasn't changed at all. No, he looks exactly the same. He did the show in 2002. 2002 is when he left. That's when I was at TRL at MTV. It's the Viacom building, so they're in the same building. It's just Steve all the time. 2002, <laughs> yeah. he went to college and yeah. left the show, but he went to embark on a music career. But his oh, wow. voice and his well, presence he, is still just as yeah. soothing as oh, crazy. crazy. I used to watch crazy. that with, Bring it with back, Courtney. Steve. Yeah. Run it back. She was a, she was a little did. one. And I said, mail call! Salt and pepper. You can send that to Courtney. Oh my so God, I'm, I'm going to. Her. I'm going to. You should have stick around, by the way. In the third hour, Dylan's going to have a lot more on the 25th anniversary of Blue's Clues. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Revive Tonight. My name is Jamie. And how many of you watched Blue's Clues as a kid? Yes. Okay, awesome. So Steve from Blue's Clues released this video that broke the internet yesterday. (laughs) How many of you have seen this video in its full entirety? Yes. Okay, so many of you. I watched it several times and it was really interesting to see just how comforted I felt hearing that same voice. He looked a little bit different and I was like, is this Steve? And then as I heard his voice and stared at his face, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, it is Steve. And it was so fascinating how comforted I felt. I didn't even watch Blue's Clues as a kid. That was more my siblings, my younger siblings, because I'm a millennial, but an elder millennial. And so <laughs> I, I missed uh, this Blue's Clues window a little bit, but it was still so comforting to hear Steve's voice. And not only was the video itself really awesome, but the memes that have been floating around online since have been really great. Here's a couple of my favorites, the one on the left. This shouldn't have moved me the way that it did. Number two, Nick Jr. marketing to 25 to 30 year olds is brilliant. <laughs> And then the second one from this comedian, uh, Jaron, we're all so emotionally damaged from this last year and a half that Steve from Blue's Clues was like, I have to address the nation. <laughs> and so I just, I loved how, uh, how, how I felt hearing what he had to say. And it's so crazy to think that not only is this show 25 years old. If that doesn't make you feel old, I don't know what does. Welcome to adulthood, everyone. (laughs) Um, But not only has that show been out for 25 years, but a lot has happened in the world since then. Our lives have changed. The world has changed. And that's not the only anniversary that we are remembering this week and this weekend. Actually, also 20 years ago, something else incredibly significant in our world happened. 9-11 is uh, now 20 years old. Not 20 years old. It happened 20 years ago this Saturday, which is really bananas to me. It's an event that rocked the United States, that rocked the world. And I didn't even really fully 
understand what was happening on September 11th, 2001, but I remember that every single adult that I knew was wildly unsettled by what had happened. They were They were nervous, they were shaken, they seemed rattled. Some adults that I was around seemed afraid. And the days and the weeks ahead when, I think this was before we had internet at my house. Yeah, for sure it was before we had internet at my house. So there was this thing called television that was just like on all the time playing like live things that weren't streamed and pre-recorded. And so everything that was on TV was just about 9-11 and what happened. And I remember how on edge everyone felt. And it's not to say that right now everyone is just as on edge and in need of a word of hope from Steve from Blue's Clues, but there's this similar feeling of being unsettled, of being rattled, of feeling unsure about what the future is going to hold. And just like right after 9-11, the world still feels disrupted. The world still feels like it's not the way that it's supposed to be. I know that I feel that. Um, Jacob mentioned in opening worship tonight about how kind of what a weird day he's had and kind of a weird week. And I have felt that too. And this is me just going off script. I'm really curious if you would, maybe you're in a room full of strangers or maybe you're in a room full of friends, just by show of hands, how many of you have felt unsettled in the last week or so? I have felt, yeah, okay. So all of us, that's great. So I have felt unsettled, and we now know that so many of you have felt unsettled. And so we are starting this series called Unsettled, and for the next five weeks, we're going to be taking a look at our reactions to how we handle feeling shaken, feeling rattled, feeling like the world isn't the way that we think it's supposed to be or the way that we want it to. How do we react when things feel unsettled? And it kind of reminds me of Jenga. Um, I am not going to try to get this out of its box because it doesn't have like the nice slider thing, but you guys know what Jenga is. Jenga is the game where you stack things and uh, they like have alternating directions of these little wood, um, whatever these wood things are called, wood bricks or whatever. And then by, um, you know, like as you play Jenga, you pull out little bricks from underneath and then you place them on top and you see how high you can get this tower of Jenga to go before it gets so unstable that it falls over. And for me lately, it feels like I am living Jenga. Playing Jenga is one thing. That's kind of fun. Living Jenga is not fun. Living like feeling like these bricks of security or stability are being pulled out from your foundational layers of how you live your life and and that your tower of life and the things that you do and the way that you carry yourself through life just becomes a little bit more unshaky. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm living Jenga lately and it feels unshaky unstable, it feels unsettled, and I don't, <laughs> I don't like it. So here's the thing about being unsettled, is it's not just world events that make us feel unsettled, all the things we've been seeing in the news. The, the strange and beautiful and wild thing about being a young adult is that this life stage literally is characterized by being unsettled. So if you are a student, how many students do we have in the room? I'm a student. Okay, we've got several students, that's awesome. Maybe you are a student in school, and so you feel 
maybe unsettled because you might feel to yourself like, man, okay, I'm in this school program, but like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Or there's some unsurety around like how long it's going to take, or is this really the right move for you? Are you in the right program? Do you need to switch? And then what about's gonna happen in my life after I'm done with school? Am I gonna get a job? What about internships? What's gonna happen? So we can feel really unsettled as students with school. We can also feel, as young adults, really unsettled when it comes to job and career. Like, am I in the right job for me? Is there a better job that's out there for me? Maybe you don't love your boss, or maybe you don't love your coworkers, or it doesn't quite feel right, and so you're thinking about making some moves, but you're not sure, like, especially in a global pandemic, like, should I just keep the job that I have? Am I supposed to do something different? There can be all sorts of feelings of unsettledness around jobs. And then with relationships, there's all sorts of ways that relationships can be unsettled, right? Like, you have someone looks at you wrong and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, is this relationship on the rocks? Like, I don't know. I was feeling really secure in it and now I'm not. Am I with the right person? Am I with the wrong person? I'm with nobody. Am I ever going to find anybody to be with? There's all these different ways that we can feel unsettled about relationships as young adults. And then just general, in general, in life. Like, Oh gosh, all the ways that we feel unsettled in life. And I feel like lately for me, particularly the next three bullet points really sum up life. Like COVID, are we masking? Are we not masking? Are we distancing? Are we not distancing? Like what are we doing? Oh, you're doing this differently than I'm doing it. And we're doing it differently than that person. And now we have to like, it takes up mental real estate in our brains and in our emotional lives to navigate all of these things that I frankly would not, I would love to go back to life before COVID and not have to worry about masks and have adult masks. Ask me. Can we talk about how unsettling that is? Oh my goodness, I thought I was done with acne. I need to wash my masks more. <laughs> um, uh, so there's all this unsettledness about COVID and then you get into politics and you get into all of the headlines and I kind of just want to pull a Captain America and sleep on ice for 70 years and maybe just see if the world is going to be a little bit different or better by then. There's all sorts of ways that we can feel unsettled and emotional self-regulation is already hard enough as an adult and then you add the last 15 months on top of it and, uh, and it's pretty difficult. And I think people's reactions to being unsettled right now are even more heightened than they normally are. We all react to being unsettled in different ways, but I don't know about you, it feels like for me, I can sometimes be a little bit more on edge. Other people that I interact with can feel like they're a little bit more on edge. And I think so much of the edginess that we feel comes back to being unsettled comes back to feeling a lack of security or stability in the lower part of our foundation. Like, I feel like I could kind of manage the top part of my Jenga life tower being unsteady if at least the foundation was secure. And lately, it kind of feels like we're rumbling around with pulling some of these lower bricks out and messing with those. And I just don't like it because being, vulner being unsettled is vulnerable. Not feeling super sure about what Christmas this year is going to look like, if we're going to do Zoom Christmas again, Zoom Thanksgiving again, not knowing. All of these different things is really vulnerable. I feel vulnerable. And when people feel vulnerable, people do interesting things, right? Feel backed into a corner, feel unsure, feel unsafe. People react emotionally in all sorts of different ways. And so in this series, what we're going to be looking at is all sorts of different ways that people react 
There's a difference between reacting and responding. In this series, we're going to be taking a look at the ways that people react to feeling unsettled, lashing out, the blame game, having anger, denial, sticking our heads in the sand. There's nothing wrong. God's got it all under control. I can just trust and like live my life and whatever, and it'll be fine, or numbing out, or controlling everything. There's all sorts of different ways that we react to feeling unsettled, and those things are normal. But what we're going to take a look at is what is the movement that God is inviting us to from our very normal reactions to how do we respond as people of faith who are trying to seek Jesus as best as we possibly can? What is that going to look like? And so that's what we're going to be looking about, looking at in this series. I also, um, at the beginning of this series, wanted to take a look in case you haven't quite really identified with feeling unsettled yet, because I didn't know you all were going to raise your hands, which makes me feel a lot better about us doing this Unsettled series. In case you haven't maybe put a couple of pieces in your life together, I thought I would just put together a list of how we um, experience being unsettled and living in a disrupted world. So maybe you have been struggling to focus. One of our pastors here is preaching this weekend, and I was preparing the message for today because I write them last minute, um, and he also is writing them last minute, but like two days in advance. And so he came through, and I was like, hey, how are you? And he's like, hey, how are you? And we did this little thing, and I was like, are you just taking a lap, or what are you doing? And he's like, man, I am just having a minute trying to like focus on putting things together. And I was like, oh, and I told him about this series and I told him this was the number one bullet point. And he's like, yes, I feel unsettled. The world is just kind of chaos right now. And so struggling to focus can be one way that we experience feeling unsettled. We can also um, experience feeling unsettled by <laughs> plans are hard is the way that I abbreviated this, which we all know plans are hard anyway. <laughs> you know, like you make plans and then someone else cancels and maybe you're excited or maybe you're sad about it or maybe you make plans and then you cancel. Um, making plans is even more difficult when we feel unsettled um, because like, well, I don't know how they're experiencing unsettledness. This is how I'm experiencing it. I think I want to do this thing. I hope they want to do it too, but I just really don't know right now. Plans are really hard. People being on edge. Sometimes what brings you joy just doesn't bring you joy in the same way that it did before. And that is a result of feeling unsettled. Sometimes we feel a little bit more insecure about our lives, about our jobs, about our relationships. Sometimes we feel a little bit more unprepared. Like maybe you're super prepared. Maybe you're the kind of type A person that is always uber prepared for everything. And even though you are super, super prepared, you feel unprepared. That's because we're living in a world of constant disruption and you have, you have lived through 15 months of this last life weird season that has illustrated for you time and time again that anything is possible. And so feeling underprepared or unprepared is a result of being unsettled and living in disruption. Perfectionism, saying, I've got to control this. I've got to make sure that everything is just so. Lashing out. All of these things are reactions to being unsettled. So maybe that's you or maybe that's just, a, I don't know, a page from my journal from the last 15 months. Anybody else feeling any of these things? I know I have. I have felt so many of these things on a weekly basis. These are all ways that we experience being unsettled. So in this series, we've talked about the movement. What I would like to do over the course of the next five weeks is I want to help you recognize like we just did and name like we just did, oh, I'm feeling this way and reacting this way, and that's because I feel unsettled. That's because I am walking in this 
global atmosphere of feeling disrupted and everyone's on edge, I'm on edge, what then do we do about it? So what I'd like to do is, number one, help you recognize and name the things that you are experiencing because you can't heal what you can't name. You can't address what you can't put your finger on. But we're not just going to stop there. What I'd like to do is also help equip you for what to do as young adults of faith who are pursuing the way of Jesus, of what God is calling us further into. And the thing about this that I think is so cool is that when we talk about recognizing and naming and equipping you for how to deal with your experiences, I'm hoping And I don't think this, I think what God is excited about, as excited about as I am about this, it's not just about you. I am concerned about you and curious about you and want to speak directly to each one of you. But also when you are able to recognize, name, and feel equipped to handle things, you are going to help other people do the exact same thing. And so this is missional. This is, as you saw at the beginning of this worship service, we've got this incredible video put together by our studio team about our 10 for 10 goals. We have 10 goals for 10 years from 2020 to 2030. We had no idea what was about to happen March of 2020 when we put these goals together, October 2019. And I think what God is inviting us into is helping you be bearers of DNA and of culture that will continue to change the world. I wholeheartedly believe that Revive is a community, that Hope as a community, that the global church as a community are the way that God wants to change the world. I think that God wants to change the world through you, and if that hasn't already started, that starts tonight. So I want you to think about as we go through tonight and as we go through this series, this is for you, but this is also for somebody else that you know. This is for somebody who needs to hear a word of peace. This is for somebody who needs you to be a calm, non-anxious presence. This is for somebody else who needs a word of encouragement that because you hear something tonight that you feel like is worth sharing, you get to benefit somebody else. And it's not about what I say. It's not about what you say. It's because the spirit of God is moving. And the spirit of God is doing incredible things in this community, in this church. And um, through having this Lutheran megachurch in the center of Iowa. (laughs) Like no one ever saw that coming. And so I think that God is up to some really incredible things. So uh, I'm really excited about that. When I think about being disrupted and the strange things that we have happening in our world right now, I think about one of my favorite verses from the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a young adult. Jeremiah was a young adult who was a prophet A prophet not being someone who somehow knows the future and then says it, but a prophet, biblically speaking, is somebody that God gives a word to share with others. So Jeremiah was a young adult. He's a prophet. And um, we are in a season right now in this book of the Bible and the next couple verses that we're going to look at that I want to make sure that you understand. So I'm going to give you a little bit of like Bible nerd history. Maybe you already know this. Maybe the first time I ever heard this uh, illustrated for me, it put so many different things together. So just um, imagine or, or follow along with me. If you open the Bible to the very first book, you will see the book of Genesis. And that's where we see um, the creation stories. There are multiple of them. There's not just one. We see the creation stories. We see the matriarchs and patriarchs like Abraham and Sarah and uh, 
uh, not Joshua, of Joseph and of Jacob, Esau, Rachel, Leah, all of these people whose, um, if you ever went to Sunday school, you probably heard those names. Um, and so we have all of these matriarchs and patriarchs and kind of like the establishment of God's relationship with the people of Israel. And then we move through um, the book of Exodus where the people of God, um, because of Joseph's movement in Egypt, ended up being enslaved in Egypt. And then God took them out of slavery and then they wandered in the wilderness for a little while. And then God finally led them into the promised land. And then they, ha- they were an established community there and they had judges rule over them. And then they had kings rule over them. And then in the cycle of kings, there were good kings, there were bad kings, there were kings that emphasized following God. There were kings that did not em- emphasize following God. And so the people of God went through this cycle of following God, not following God, following God, not following God. And God sent all of these prophets to the people of Israel to say, hey, shape up people. You guys are messing around and it's not gonna be a good situation because you're creating really unhealthy systems for yourselves and for your families. And so uh, sometimes under the leadership of good kings, people would come back to God and then under um, not good kings, they would fall away from God. And so this is the period where God sends all of these prophets and eventually what God is warning the people does come true. Babylon and other empires sweep in and carry the people of God off into exile. They don't stay in exile for forever, but they do stay in exile for a long time. And there's this, there's like just a couple little books towards the very end of the Old Testament that talk about them being able to come back and reestablishing themselves. And then there's this weird period where we don't have Bible and then the New Testament happens. So Jeremiah and Isaiah and Daniel are names that you're going to hear tonight. And those are in this period of time where God is sending messages to people to call people back to God's self and to say, stay with me. Stay rooted in me, stay here, be with me and I will be with you and things are gonna be wild, but it's gonna be better because we're gonna do life together. And so Jeremiah says to the people of God, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And that sounds really good. The the contrast to this is the couple of verses that come right before that. The couple of verses that that come right before that are about curse. And not like a witchy, voodoo-y sort of like curse sort of thing. It's more like, hey, things don't go well for you if you don't X, Y, Z. And so this is what the Lord says right before this. Uh, Jeremiah says, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength, who turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs. Who wants to be a stunted shrub in the desert? Who wants to be a stunted shrub in the desert? (laughs) Um, Who have no hope for the future? Who wants to have no hope for the future? That sounds awful. Who will live in the barren wilderness? Who wants to live in the barren wilderness? Not me. In an uninhabited salty land. Do not sign me up for an uninhabited salty land. Like, no, thank you. So that is the contrast to then what happens here. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. The picture that you see here on the slide on the left is of Snoqualmie Falls. It's my favorite waterfall in the state of Washington. It's about uh, 20 minutes outside of Seattle. It was 45 minutes from where I lived when I lived in Seattle. And I loved going here. There must have been a really big rain or maybe this is spring because the waterfall is about as big as it ever gets. Sometimes it's like less than half that. 
But I want you to notice not just the amount of water falling over this rock and the amount of water that must be in that river, but notice the green things that are happening around. You can see some like green kind of mossy stuff growing on the rock on the left side. You can see the big, beautiful pine trees on the right. And then on the lower left part of the picture, you can see the mossy stuff growing. There's no water that falls over there. That's just from the mist of being by this beautiful, beautiful waterfall. And that's how that moss is able to grow. That verse is talking about a situation that probably is really similar to this. Trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit because of where they are planted. Because they do not just put their trust and hope and confidence in mere mortals, but they put their hope and trust in the Lord. And it also reminds me of another verse that I've been clinging to uh, pre-COVID, but then also for sure in COVID, and it's from Isaiah chapter 43. And before we read this together, I want to read to you, um, the be- if you ever need a word of hope, just write down Isaiah 43, or put it somewhere in a note card, or I don't know, tattoo it on your wrist, or like wherever you need to put this reference. Um, But now, Jacob, listen to the Lord who has created you. O Israel, the one who has formed you says, do not be afraid. I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. I know you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And then there's all of this list of things that God has already done that proves how God provides for his people. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will gather you and your children from east and west. I will say to north and south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have created them and made them for my glory. It is I who created them. This was spoken to a people in exile. These words are spoken to a people who have found themselves in a really unsettled, rather hopeless situation. This is one of my favorite verses. I think it'd be really cool if we all just read it together. So I invite you to go ahead and read this with me if you want. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so that my chosen people can be refreshed. Are you in need of refreshment? God is in the business of doing new things when we feel like there is no new thing that can be done or will be done. And the thing about this that really strikes me. One more verse. Well, no, not one more verse. We're going to do a couple more. One other verse that really brings me hope when I think about being unsettled and what God does is this. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit at Revive a couple weeks ago, and I was shocked. I did not have the foresight to put the words on the screen, and like most of the room just said them out loud with me. Apparently, Revive is full of like Bible scholars or something. This is awesome. So um, I, this is straight out of Scripture The fruits of the Spirit are things like, you can say them with me if you want or read them on the screen. They are things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
awesome. The thing about the fruit of God's spirit, when you, when you think about the verse in Jeremiah, there, there was something about the fruit there. Um, the fruit of God's spirit is not just that you feel these things or I feel these things when life is really good. Like, yeah, I'm in a really loving relationship and so I feel love. My life is the easiest it's ever been and so I feel joy and peace. I am not surrounded by any people that I want to call idiots or any other names. And so I feel perfectly patient all the time. I feel completely like being kind. There's never anything on social media that makes me want to just like rage a little bit. <laughs> I always feel like just spreading goodness everywhere I go. I feel like being faithful and gentle and I am always exuding 1,000% self-control. The thing about these is that it's not that my life is good and therefore I experience these things. The thing about this list is that this was written by someone who is sitting in a cold, dark, probably drippy prison without any like great food, without a ton of awesome community, couldn't get together for worship with his pals. The thing about the fruit of God's spirit is that it shows up where we don't expect it. The thing about the fruit of God's spirit is that God is always working in situations that we feel like it's impossible. I'm unsettled. My life is disrupted. How could I possibly feel peace or joy? Everything about my life is falling apart right now. And I am feeling awful about it, so I'm not going to have any. <laughs> but God gives us the self-control to, to stay the course and to do the things that we need to do. The thing about God's spirit that is the beautiful gift is that it shows up where we don't think it can. And God does. And God will. Because the thing about being unsettled is that God can do the most work in us when we are unsettled and where we are uncomfortable. Because if you are settled and comfortable, you might not be asking for God to show up and move in some really big ways. You might not be looking for God to make any changes in your life. The good news about being unsettled is that we so often are hungry for God to do something and we are ready and waiting for God to move. So if you are feeling unsettled, if you are feeling on edge, if you are feeling disrupted, I want to give you, no pun intended, don't email me weird things about shots. I want to give you a nice shot in the arm <laughs> of just this like incurable joy, of this incredible sense of God's peace that if you are unsettled or disrupted, I want you to know that God sees you and God is ready to do a new thing. And I hope that you are ready for God to do that new thing in you. It reminds me of a verse from Matthew. At the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus um, is in a sermon on the mount and starts his sermon by saying this. This is from the message translation. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. There's all sorts of ways when we feel unsettled that we just react, and that's normal. We are human beings and we react, and sometimes we don't like take the, okay, I need to count to three or 10 in my head before I respond, right? Like reacting is a human thing. But sometimes when we feel so unsettled, we'll lash out, we will numb out, we'll do all of these different things because we feel like I'm so out of control of the situation, there's nothing that can be done. What Jesus is saying to us here is that that's okay because when you're done doing all the you things that probably can't control or fix anything anyway, there is more room for God to show up and for God to work. I want to reassure you that around hope, we don't believe that the world is spiraling out of control. 
that somehow God has lost the reins of this buggy and like somehow the world is just going to, you know where, in a handbag and there's nothing anybody can do about it. We have this unshakable hope that God sees all and that God is always drawing everything to himself. That's biblical. God is always drawing things back into the goodness of God, back into the love of God, back into the place where, not back into the place because the world is never out of the place where God has power to do something and to move. Because of Jesus Christ, resurrection is a reality. When all we might see is death, dying, or decay, Jesus sees opportunity for new life and for resurrection. So I want to infuse you with that hope There's a story that I want us to look at really, really briefly before we do an activity together. And the story is of this guy named Daniel. Daniel's in like this uh, close to the end of the Old Testament period that we talked about when I was standing over here. Daniel is this guy who lived being disrupted kind of constantly. Daniel is the best of the best of the best. And that's not Jamie, that's scripture. I paraphrased a little bit. But here's the thing about Daniel is that Daniel's people were in captivity. The Babylonians had come and carried them off. And so Daniel and the Israelite people were not living at home. They were not living in a familiar culture with a familiar language, with a familiar sense of religion, with a familiar sense of cultural norms. Talk about feeling not at home and disrupted. And so the king said to all of the king's assistants, go out into the whole kingdom and I want you to bring me the best of the best of the people that you see. I want you to bring me the people, the men who are of royal or noble blood, who are healthy, handsome, intelligent, well-educated, leaders, quote unquote, literally from the Bible, perfect specimens. Now, sidebar, I don't know if there's like a hinge for this type of human, but like, wouldn't that just be fascinating? Okay, so so four guys... (laughs) Thank you, Jacob. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Um, there are four guys. There are only four people that they can find that match this hinge sort of filter in the land of Babylon from the Israelite people. And so they pick these four guys. It's Daniel, and they rename him Belteshazzar, which is a kind of cool name if you ask me. And then he has his three friends. Their names in uh, Hebrew, I am blanking on at the moment, but their Babylonian names that they were renamed are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the four of them go through three years of schooling to serve the king because they're the best of the best of the best. And at the end of this three-year program, it is realized that no one else compares to them. Far and away beyond anybody else, they stand out that none other were a match for the four of them. And beyond that, Daniel is also gifted in visions and in dreams. And so that's kind of a brief recap of chapter one. There's a couple other things that happen. And then in Daniel chapter two, the king has a dream. And the dream is really unsettling for the king. And so the king reaches out to his squad of people and says, hey, I need you to interpret my dream. But I'm also not gonna tell you the dream. I need you to know the dream because you're so smart and you've been through all this training and you're so wise, you're my advisors. I need you to know the dream and then I need you to interpret it for me. And if you don't do that, I'm gonna kill you all. So talk about being unsettled and disrupted. Both this king is acting as if he's experienced something that's really deeply unsettling and he's acting in a way that he's like acting out of his disruptedness. And now all of a sudden he's causing everyone else to live in even further disruption. And so uh, Daniel hears of what's going to happen and he goes to the executioner who's 
gathering everyone together to execute them. Thank, no thank you for that job. And so Daniel talks to the executioner, is like, hey, I'm just finding out about this that my life light might end. Let me go to the king. Let me get like, I don't know, 24 hours and then I'll see what we can do. So Daniel goes, the executioner, the Bible says, gladly lets him go. And so Daniel goes to the king and says, hey, give me 24 hours. The king says, yep, take 24 hours. And so Daniel goes back to his friends and he says, we need to pray. And so they go home, they pray. And actually this miracle happens where the mystery is revealed. Daniel is able to go to the king to not only explain the dream and what happened, but also to interpret the dream. The king is satisfied, lets everyone live. And the thing about this, as it relates to the game of Jenga, (laughs) is that the thing about Daniel is that Daniel's life had been so disrupted to this point. He's not at home. He's not in his home culture. He's not with a ton of people that he knows. He's serving alongside. They're probably not strangers anymore, but they have maybe different values, different cultural norms still. The thing that carried Daniel is that his base was still strong. He still had these rhythms and routines that he could fall back on in his life of prayer and in walking with God so that when the top of his Jenga tower was getting really, 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 really wobbly, he still had these bricks that were solid down at the bottom. And so he turned to the rhythms and routines that sustained him throughout the rest of his life. And Revive, I would encourage you to think about what are the rhythms, routines, that you have in your life right now or that you don't have in your life right now that you need that will really help you in the days and weeks ahead. I don't know what's gonna happen this fall. I don't know if we're gonna do Zoom Thanksgiving and Zoom Christmas again. I don't know if there's gonna be new variants. I'm stressing myself out saying these things, so I'll stop. I just, I just don't know what the fall will bring. And I don't think any of you know either, unless you're like Daniel and somehow you know, which if you do, come tell me, please. <laughs> But I encourage you to be thinking about what invitation is God inviting me to right now that can be an anchor for my life in this season of disruption. And Jesus says this. Jesus says, I am the vine. My father is the farmer. Live in me. This is our base. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. So there are ways that we can stay, just in terms of our habits, more connected to God. It's not because um, this is like the silver bullet. It's not because God is like, oh yeah, do like your whole life thing, but like this is like the thing and I will make sure that I like do life with you if you do this. This isn't a prescription that I am handing you. This is just a descriptive pattern. I'm gonna take you through this process of what people for hundreds of years have done to help experience God in their day-to-day lives in the middle of disruption. And so three guiding questions as we get into this worksheet and this activity. And if you've been around Revive a while, you know that I love this pastor. His name is Pete Schizero, and he wrote a bunch of books about emotionally healthy spirituality. He says this about finding a rhythm to life. And this is even pre-pandemic. Statement number one, what you do matters. Who you are matters more. Number two, you cannot give what you do not possess. You can only give what you do possess. And three, the state that you are in is the state that you give to others. So if you are walking around, as so many of us are, in a constant state of frazzledness, of on edge, of being the most anxious presence in the room, 
what we have, what we carry is what we're going to bring to others. And I think there's a deeper invitation for us as people of God. And so I invite you to, um, to just spend a couple minutes. We're gonna give you just a little bit of quiet time to work through part one and then part two. If you didn't pick up one of these worksheets, Kelsey, one of our awesome volunteers, has some extras. And if you wanna just raise your hand as we get into this, she'll bring you some. Um, and we'll just all, oh my gosh, okay, we got some in the back corner, one right here. Okay, cool. So um, if you have a pencil or a writing utensil in this worksheet, I invite you to go to side number one. And Isaac's gonna come on up and play some music. It's gonna be so good for thinking. And I invite you to think about these three questions. Just take some you time, take some God time. Whatever comes to mind is totally fine. The first question I invite you to consider is what nurtures me? And maybe that's a rhythm of worship or of prayer or reading scripture, like the quote unquote right answer Christian things. If you wanna write those down, that's awesome. I also invite you to think a little bit more broadly, like gardening walking a dog or a cat or a hamster that you might have, (laughs) sitting at the lake, cooking, other hobbies, whatever. What is something that I do in my life that feels nurturing to me? Second question, what destabilizes me? What do you need to avoid or put limits around that pull you away from remaining anchored in Jesus Christ? And then the third question for part one is, what challenges are going to keep me off balance? So think in the next three to six months, are there going to be things that will change in my life? Like I might move or I have a demanding work season coming up. Are there things that will impact a rhythm that will be helpful for me? And if I can just maybe get ahead of that, I know it will happen, that'd be helpful. So just take a couple moments. We don't have time to do the full thing. I just wanna set you up so that you can take this home and finish it on your own time. Take a few moments and work through part one and then we'll do part two together. Take just another moment and finish whatever box you're on, whatever question you're on, just jot down the next thought that you have. And then we meant this to be the backside. It didn't happen, that's fine. We're unsettled and disrupted. Um, You can go to part two, the rhythm worksheet and think about the answers that you put on part one, the grounding questions. And part two is putting this into a rhythm and into a flow. Now, I'm gonna show you really briefly an example of what mine looks like to help spark some ideas for you. So mine looks a little bit like this. There are four quadrants, prayer, rest, relationship, and work, and they're all centered in the love of God giving the love of God, receiving the love of God. You cannot do these things well if that is not at the middle and at the core of your rhythms that you have for your life. Um, So for prayer, I have a couple things that I do. Like I use the Bible app on my phone and I listen to the Bible for about 10 minutes in the morning. I write out a prayer and set an intention based on those things for the day. I have a specific app that I do, not on weekends, because that generally just doesn't happen. Um, And then I uh, practice gratitude and uh, something called the Daily Ignatian Examine. We've practiced that together several times at Revive. You can Google it and find the questions. So I have a prayer rhythm that I try to do as often as I can. It's very simple. I would like to spend an hour every morning doing these things. I don't have an hour every morning in my life right now, but that's what I do. Rest, I have some things with rest, with like I exercise five days a week, or at least I try. Planned time away every specific number of months, a 24-hour period off work each week. Adventure to new places one time a month because that's a bucket filler for me. I limit social media on specific days. 
um, with relationships, see my goddaughter one time a month, family one time a month, we meet with mentors a time a month, being present with my friends, things like that. So we're not going wild or crazy. We're not looking outside of the rhythms of life that you don't have that you want to add. And because when you're trying to set rhythms for yourself, thinking too big can just be overwhelming and it stops the whole process before we can start. I invite you to think about the questions that you've already put in part one and just start kind of, you don't have to be specific, these don't have to be smart goals, but just begin to think, okay, if I wanted to start getting into a rhythm and into a routine this fall that's going to ground me, that's going to center me, that's gonna kind of keep me going when the rest of the world feels like it's gonna fly off the handle, what could I do? So take just another moment and start putting some ideas to paper. I hope for you that walking through just very briefly a process like this can help string some things together for you. When we talk about being unsettled, living in a life stage that's unsettled, in a world that is disrupted, (laughs) that will probably not stop being disrupted anytime soon. We look at scripture like the prophet Jeremiah who talks about spending time with God and being like a tree that grows by water, even in the desert, those roots go down deep. Like Jesus talks about, remain in me and I will remain in you. Like Daniel, who even when things were going crazy and his life was on the line, turned back to the same rhythms and routines that had sustained him to this point and they still kept him going. Revive, I encourage you to be thinking about as we head into fall, it's a transitional season anytime, or anyway, so change is gonna happen. As we think about changing and what life is gonna be like over the next month, two months, six months, whatever, I encourage you to think like, how are your roots going deep? How are you rooted so that when the storms come, <laughs> you don't fall to pieces? What are the rhythms and the routines that God is inviting you into, all of us into, so that we can be the most non-anxious presence in the room, not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of other people who so desperately need people of peace. I invite you to join with me in a word of prayer and then we'll stand and worship. God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your grace. We thank you so much that you promise to remain in us. It's not that if we remain in you, then you remain in us. You stay with us regardless, but we'd get the benefit if we spend the time remaining in you. And so God, I I ask for this community of young adults that as we exist in this disrupted world in this unsettled time, that you would continually draw us back to you, that you would draw us back to your love, to your peace, to your to your comfort, to to all of the the good things that you have for us. And God, when our rhythms and routines feel like they like aren't working anymore, God, I ask that you would help us to be faithful. That is a fruit of your spirit. God, I ask that you'd help us to be faithful to the things that you feel like you're calling us to so that as we remain in you and as you remain in us and as our roots grow down deep so that we don't fear drought, that we'll see the fruit of you working in our lives, God, that we'll see the fruit of you working around us and in our communities. We'll begin to see transformation happen in us and, in, and around us. God, would you lead us into encounters with other people that help us to wonder at how you work, to wonder at how you show up in our lives, to wonder at what it is that you're doing 
in this community of young adults in the middle of Iowa or wherever it is that you are working, God. We ask that you'd help us to see what you're doing so we can be a part of rejoicing in the things that you are doing. God, we love you and we lift all this up to you in Jesus' name and all God's kids said, amen. I'm ready to stand and let's worship together. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.